Hi folks, and welcome back to the South Pole Podcast. My name is Becky Zarzinski, and I'm your host for today's show. In today's episode, we actually aren't gonna be speaking about the South Pole breed specifically. However, we are gonna be discussing something that I think most South Pole producers will find very interesting, and that is the soil. I'd say most of us probably classify ourselves first and foremost as grass farmers, which goes hand in hand with the health and condition of the soils on our farming operation. So with that being said, in today's interview with Ray Archuleta that I did this last September at the Stockman Grass Farmer Gathering, we discussed the current status of our soils of much of the agricultural lands around the world, what that means to us, and why it's more important than ever before to be farming with soil health in mind and what we can do as farmers and ranchers to continue to improve our soil's health and vitality. But before we jump into Ray's eye-opening and an always inspiring discussion, I'd like to invite everyone listening to visit the South Pole webpage, that's southpole.com, so southpoll.com, to find out more about our association and breed. Also, if you're in the social media world, you can find us in two places. The first one is South Pole Grass Cattle Association on Facebook. That is our official South Pole page where we have South Pole news and event updates. And we also have a South Pole Grass Cattle Forum, which is where you can interact with folks in the South Pole community, where we share pictures, videos, and our South Pole stories. Lastly, before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to mention two events we have coming up. The first one is the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo in early March of 2022, so it's just a few months away. South Poles have been bringing some of the highest selling prices in this show the last few years. So if you have some primo South Pole heifers you'd like to put into the auction, please contact Dave Roberts. Email us at southpolegrasscattle at gmail.com to get his contact information. Lastly, the 14th annual South Pole Field Day and Cattle Auction will be held June 24th and 25th of 2022 in Roseland, Louisiana. This is the first time we're hosting a field day in Louisiana, so we're pretty excited about that. So please stay tuned for more information coming about this event very soon. Okay, so without further ado, let's dig in with Ray Archuleta. Do you think that our soil health status is more important and critical today than it was just even 100 years ago? Becky, yes. More now than ever, any point in history, um, soil health is incredibly critical because what we're at is that we're at a stage where the planet can no longer self-heal, self-organize, self-regulate because there's not enough vegetation. Most people don't understand that without vegetation, you cannot regulate the climate. Climate, plant and soil are connected to the climate. No soil no plant, no climate, period. You would just have geology and rock. So why is it more critical now? Right now, 40% of our agriculture land is very, very degraded, very high dependent on chemical inputs. A majority of our rangeland are becoming deserts. So a majority of the soil surface is becoming Air. Our deserts are increasing in, in, in size. Those were all once grasslands. So we're at a very critical spot in our, in our time of humans that we've pushed the precipice of way too much bare soil. 
And that's a problem because with, with bare soils, you don't have functioning soils. Plants by the ancient people called the mouth of the soil. It's what feeds the microbes. So we're at a very low level of soil function globally, and it's a problem. It's affecting, it's affecting the climate. Most people don't understand. They have not connected to the dot. Cannot have climate without plant and soil. 40% of our rain comes from plants evapotranspiring. That's why it's such a critical point now. The more we would cover the planet, the more we would regulate the climate. So I know in your talk yesterday, you had this example, I believe it was in Mexico. Yes. Of the 30,000 acre farm that was not, I don't know if it was desert or near desert, but he brought cattle on and started this rotational grazing system on kind of what he had. And it seemed like the rain started to come after that as well. Is that kind of what you're talking about yes, just now okay. with needing plants on the soil so that you create climate? Because yes. that's why the deserts continue to grow because... It's this, this perpetual cycle, sounds like. Beautiful, Becky. Yes, Becky. I'm talking about the ranchers in Chihuahua, Mexico. The typical rain is about 6 to 11 inches. It is a 30,000-acre ranch where they created the infrastructure by fencing and watering systems, how they're actually causing ripple of effects of the grasslands continuing to grow using cattle. The manure, the urine, breaking up the crust. The more grass cover, the more you have a cooling effect. Most people don't understand when you have too much heat in bare soil, you have an emission of what you call sensible heat, that updrafts that you get, that updrafts are pushing the rain clouds away. So that heat is, there's no living plants to cool the soil surface. And that's creating more deserts. And it's, and it's causing more anomalies of the rain clouds. So it's pushing rain clouds, and when it does rain, it, run, it rains at a very vicious rate. You either have extremely dry or extremely wet. There's no more moderation. You cannot do that without more living cover and living plants than the soil surface. It's a problem. And so one thing I heard is, so we need more living plants, more cover, but we also need to manage those probably. And a good way to do that is probably with cows. And I'm saying that because I'm, I'm biased. I'm a cattle farmer. And so sounds like cows can be a helpful solution to this climate issue that we're having. And right now I know animal agriculture is getting a really bad rap and it's getting kind of pushed. It sounds like people are wanting to push it out. Yeah. And so what would you say to some of these folks who, who think that that's the issue or think that cattle are the ones causing these negative effects? But really, if, it sounds like if they're managed properly, yeah. they are going to help restore these cycles, these water yeah. cycles that you're talking about. Becky, uh, there's a phrase that's really cool. It's not mine. It's not the cow. It's the how. We blame cattle. Did cattle and sheep decimate these and cause desertification? No, they didn't. It was the human that didn't know how to use them. They do what they do. Their design is to be part of the nutrient cycle, to, trans uh, to transmit life from one area to another. I call them a mobile link. They can carry cattle can carry seed through their hide, mm -hmm. through their hoof, the manure, and so they'll move seed from one area to another area. Nature doesn't farm without animals, so cattle are absolutely critical for human health, animal health, plant health. In fact, plants don't do well. The grasslands don't do well unless they're stimulated by that tongue of the cattle, the saliva. 
the grazing pattern. It causes them to exudate and feed the microbes. What's happening is we have people that are disconnected. They don't understand how the soil works, how the plant works, and how the animal's critical to that whole situation. So animal agriculture has gone a really bad rap because of the confinement. I don't like the confinement, but we created the confinement. Let's be, let's be, let's be humble about it. Confinement happened is when a majority of the, we have less than 2 million farmers feeding 350 million farmers. So what we did is industrialized agriculture. We made it into a machine, very efficient, very effective. Be able to produce quantity, not quality. So there are many things that happened that we did wrong. There was a migration of, of farmers leaving the area and they left agriculture. So there was a migration going to the city, became doctors and whatever. There was not enough money on the farm because the way we were farming in the beginning. Bottom line, agriculture was built on the wrong premise. Wrong premise, wrong result. The premise should have been always to emulate and mimic nature. What I love about the movie Kiss the Ground that came out, Gabe Brown and I were in it. We said, we're not going to be in the documentary if you don't do these two things. Give animals the glory of their design that they are an instrument of healing and health to the ecosystem. Number two is I'm sick and tired of environmental movies. They're so depressing, give no hope. Kiss the Ground movie gave people hope. And I got to give Josh Tickell and Rebecca credit that they, under a lot of duress and pressure, they were saying, you know, when you're making an organic vegan movie. Organic and vegan is all cool. I, I get it. Don't leave the animals out. They're part of the natural ecosystem. They're part of the solution. In fact, I will argue we will not heal global warming without the cow. Sorry, it's not going to happen. That's a pretty bold statement. And one thing that you kind of mentioned, it's sounding like that a lot of people these days have kind of, you said they've been removed from agriculture. They've been removed from farming and maybe connection with the land. And it seems like they've also removed themselves out of nature and they've separated ourselves from nature. And it's sounds like you're saying we are, we are nature. We are part of it. We are, we're yeah. part of that natural cycle. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are, I think having that thought process that, you know, um, nature knows her way. She knows best. So we just need to get out of her way, which we do because she mm -hmm. knows how to do it. But we also need to realize we are part of that. So yeah. our management is not a bad thing. No. It's kind of necessary at this point for kind of where we're at. Think about, Becky, what we were taught in school. It's kind of this conundrum. Economists said the problem with economists, they leave the ecology out. The problem with the ecologists, they leave the human out. Mm -hmm. So we're caught up in this, I call it Bambi ecology, right in the middle of emotionalism. Mm -hmm. And we forget how the planet really works. The humans were designed to be part of the creation. They were designed to interface with it. It doesn't work without it. Case in point, if you watch the, in, the, in the Serengetis in parts of Africa, there were humans that would uh, work with their cattle and they would move and migrate. It was a beautiful system how migration happened and the humans were part of that migration system. In the wisdom of USDA said, hey, we'll go in there Poor tribe, tribal people, they're having to move all over, they, they seem very poor and unhappy, 
dig wells, and then create a desertification. We are part of the system, like you said, Becky, and we become totally detached. We're very connected to our phones, but totally detached from the natural ecosystem. We're clueless. And so, like Einstein, what is Einstein saying, go like? I'm afraid that people think that technology will save him, but he thinks that we're raising a bunch of idiots because they very, and I'm paraphrasing that, we're so dependent on technology, but we, we're not cognizant of our environment and we don't have a relationship with it. That's a big problem. Awesome. Um, it seems like our soils have been continually mined for the last, I don't know, I'm going to say seven decades. It could be much more than that, but, oh, no. but specifically very intensely in the last century, let's say. Yeah. Um, we've made cheap food possible. We've made a lot of cheap food possible. Mm -hmm. We've done it more and more efficiently, but I want to know where is the value of the soil in that that um, formulation because that's really never talked about. We've mined a lot of what was so good that organic matter in the soil out, and now we're just propping it up with fertilizers and mm -hmm. whatever else we need to to keep it producing. But we've lost all that. There's a value in the soil that we've mined out, mm -hmm. and that hasn't been taken into the effect of this very. Um, efficient, I'm putting that in quotes, food that we've been producing. So how can we get that soil value back into the mindsets of, of farmers? Because yeah. I feel like that's where it needs to start. Yeah, it does. I, I think, Becky, you hit a central nerve that starts with the soil. I tell people, you start with healthy soil, then you got a healthy plant, then you got a healthy human. And guess what? You, you, you are what your food eats. Mm -hmm. So if you start with health, the end product will be health. That's the way the design was done. I see a new mantra going on, and it's called, let thy food be thy medicine. Socrates said that. Let thy food be thy medicine. Right now, the current United States American has lost two years of life expectancy. Disease, cancer, heart issues, diabetes, that's directly linked to the nutrition of our food in the soil. Second, it's also linked to the fact that the food is processed. Sugars and all that, it's what then not only do we just pick it up at a wrong time because again, too many people, very little people growing the food, farms are too big, and so that you have this chronic issue of quantity and not quality. So there's problems through all parts of that whole system. It's very energy dependent. It take, you're taking huge amounts of food and you're with very low quality and you have to pick it green. You have to do all kinds of things and you give it to, and you get to the grocery store. And then it gets processed, worked over, infused with sugar, junk, dye, herbicide, residual, and then we wonder why we got sick and we have autoimmune issues, blah, blah, blah. So, and also, so all the systems connected from the beginning of the soil to the end where we process it. It's a big problem. And so, how, how do we connect people to this? I have hope. You know, uh, people that are millennials, 70% of them read labels. Do you know that fast food's going broke? Uh, I, I, I've heard, um, if you, there was an interesting article that I was perusing. And I was noticing 
these big fast food chains are struggling. Well, it's like Joe Salatin said today, yesterday. We're hoping for a food chain that says, we're going to grow quality food. It may be fast, but it's the way it's stored and the way it's nutritionally dense that you're, it, will, it will outshine McDonald's every day. But let's be fair. McDonald's is moving to more grass-fed beef. I had meetings with General Mills. General Mills is moving towards more regenerative agriculture. Do you know what's pushing it? The people. There was an amazing article in, uh, I can't remember a publication that had a, a picture of a, a young lady with her baby. And she was going through the grocery store and it said, farmers, see your new boss. It's so true. And, and, and that's what I love about the women. They're more cognizant about nurturing because they raise kids. Or not, and it's just, even men, we're supposed to be nurturing. But we lose that sense. But farming is nurturing. It really is nurturing. So there's a lot of issues that can be done and dealt with education. But I think the markets are increasing. People are looking for regenerative beef. They want grass-fed grass finished. They do not want animals with antibiotics and garbage in them. That's where it's, that's the future. And I'm excited. There's a lot of hope. For producers who have been utilizing rotational grazing type strategies for let's just say 10 plus years, so they've been in it for a while now, how do they know they're following the right direction with their practices? Like, are there any indicators in the soil that they should be looking for that shows, yeah, besides maybe just the uh, plant diversity or production, but something more that they're like, okay, I'm doing good. Like, they can see it tangible, something yeah. tangible. Yeah, good, good question, Becky. Look, we are promoting getting from rotational grazing to adaptive grazing, adaptive multi-paddock grazing. We call that more what nature does. The word adaptive. Nature's adaptive. She uses adaptive energy. Adaptive means you're willing to change on the fly. For example, if it's droughty, you slow the animals down. Adaptive grazing takes somebody with absolutely strong observational skills. One tool, watching the animal. Is the belly full? They should look happy. Those are, that's an indicator. Other indicator is the shovel. One of my most powerful tool is I dig into the soil. It's a soil well aggregated. What does it mean by aggregate? Aggregates are the fusions of sands and silt clays to create this chocolate cake, BB granular structure. That is critical. If I look at it and there's hardly any of those granular structures, that means you're overgrazing. You're taking too much because it takes a lot of energy to create aggregates. So you got to let the plants get taller. Uh, you should hear it. What do I mean by that? If you've got good grazing practices, you should hear bumblebees, you should hear life, you should hear it in your pastures. If you're not hearing that, that's a problem. Indicator. Another indicator is you could use the Haney soil test. You can probe into it and it tells you respiration rate. It, it measures the function and the health of the, of, the, of, the, of the soil. You can use the earth fork test. You can use a penetrometer. A penetrometer is you, it's like a giant rod poke into the field and see if you have any indurated surfaces, that compaction layers. That could be from years of plowing back then. There's a lot of things you can do to determine 
if you're going down the right direction. Um, those are some key ones like, my gosh, a, a, a infiltration ring. Infiltration ring is like a six by six inch ring. You pour water, 444 millimeters, that's an acre inch, and it should, it should flow at a very quick rate. That's another indicator. The ring, the shovel, observation, listening, watching the animal. My gosh, I just gave you a bunch of them right there. Use all your senses, it sounds like. Yeah, there you go. Bing. Use your senses. Observe. Be well read. And so it, those are observational skills that we teach at Soil Health Academy. That's what we teach in our schools. It's a nonprofit school, so we teach you how to emulate nature in our grazing systems. And it's called adaptive multi-paddock grazing. Awesome. That's what we teach. Yesterday you did an experiment, and I was in the very back, so I didn't get to see it very well, but it was the last one. The slake test or the scum test? It was the, uh, the liquid sun. Liquid sun, yeah. Can you explain that? I love that. What and I do, what that is. What I do is I get a glass clear container, and I fill it with water, mm -hmm. just part, a quarter way. And what I do is I get a chunk of soil with all the roots and the living plant, and I'll have somebody swish it around and remove all the dirt and to create this foamy material. But that foamy material is called liquid sun, coined by Christine Jones, Dr. Christine Jones. It is taking light energy and converting it into chemical energy, creating hundreds and hundreds of compounds that feed microbes. That liquid sun, amino acids, sugars, carbohydrates, nucleotides, they feed the microbes. And then the microbes in turn, they'll leak 30 to 70% of that energy to bring the zinc out of the rock, to bring the, the, the phosphorus out of the rock with fungi and bacteria and key organisms and all the trace minerals and make them soluble so the plant sucks them up. So that's an intimate, beautiful connection so I can teach people, this is why you move the cows correctly. This is why you plant cover crops. Always have a flow of energy. Do not run your farm on ancient sunlight, but new sunlight. Ancient sunlight is fertilizer chemicals, those takes oil, diesel, uh, natural gas. You're on, the moment your farm and ranch are dependent on that, you're done. You're going to go broke. That carbon flow, that light energy flow, liquid sun flow, it's got to feed the microbes. All comes back to feeding the microbes. Last question for you. What's one thing a grass farmer could do today to help jumpstart their soils down the right direction. What's one thing that you could advise them? The first and most critical, you have to believe the soil is alive, Becky. The biggest problem I have with farmers, they don't believe the soil is alive. Number two, I'm gonna give you four, okay? Okay, yeah. Two, everything is connected. Understand relationship. Everything in the natural system is a complex way of relationships. That soil has organisms, it's a web of life. Everything's connected from the cow to the plant. So if you do something like overgrazing, you're gonna have unintended consequences and you're gonna affect that underground internet, that web. Nobody likes slow internet. You'll create slow internet because those fungi and those organisms communicate to each other. That's connectness, relationship. Third one, always, always remember the goal. Always remember the goal. The goal is to mimic nature, mimic it. Understand its design, its patterns, its architecture, 
It's principles. Ask three. Last one. Understand your identity. Your identity was to be an ambassador uh, and to be a steward and clean God's creation, to be part of it. Those are the four things you need to understand if you're going to be, if you're going to change your operation. Souls alive. Very critical. Two, I told you that not only do you have to understand that your soil is alive, I have to understand connectness. Never forget the goal, mimic nature, and know the identity that you were created for. Be a facilitator and, a, and an ambassador of, of health into the system. Pretty simple. Awesome. Well, Ray, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate all the work that you guys are doing to um, promote soil health and just educate people on it. So I really appreciate it. Welcome, Becky. Thank you. Thanks.